0: Hey guys, I'm so excited for today's conversation about communicating your value with confidence. This is something that most, if not all, designers struggle with because the services we offer cost money. We're not cheap and nor should we be. So we're gonna dive in today about all things money and value, how to remind clients of our motivation, why we do what we do, how we save them money, and badass design experts we are. So this is a great one if you've been struggling with billing or you know just hitting send on that invoice because things feel so expensive. Here is how Kate and I have learned to communicate our value with confidence. Let's dive in.
1: Hey, I'm Kate Bendewald. And I'm Leslie Myrick. We're interior designers who've been meeting every Friday for coffee to discuss the ins and outs, ups and downs of running our design business and decided to hit the record button. We are designers getting
0: coffee with each other, and now you. While some might choose to guard the hard-earned secrets of their design success, we've chosen to support, encourage, and empower one another to be the most kick-ass business owners possible.
1: Welcome to the Designers Getting Coffee podcast, real talk about running your design business with head and heart. Come join the conversation.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by the Interior Design Business Kickstart Kit. If you're ready to start your business or you've just launched, let me help you kickstart things to make major progress in a short time. The Interior Design Business Kickstart Kit is six months of intensive one-on-one coaching, plus all the business documents you'll need to crush it behind the scenes and launch your business like a boss. Book a complimentary call with me, Leslie, to learn more at lesliemyrick.com slash coaching. And now, this is episode 24, Communicating Your Value with Confidence. Good morning, Kate. Hey, good morning, Leslie.
1: How are you? I'm doing pretty good today. How about yourself? Um, I am super pumped because it, at the time of this recording is October and it has been hotter than Hades here. (laughs) I am just saying that a PSL does not taste the same when it's 98 degrees outside.
0: That's true. (laughs) Is this finally pumpkin spice (laughs) weather in Waco?
1: Yeah, it is. So today it's like 50s and (gasps) raining. That sounds um, awesome. I'm glad that I don't... I'm glad I don't have to go anywhere, but I feel bad for my assistants because they're trying to transport art today and do an install. Ew.
0: Yeah, not not the best day for it. Sorry. I had strep throat this week, so it's been a little rough around these parts. And if you've had that as an adult, it's the worst. But I am on the mend. Yeah, you look and sound great
1: for having had such a crappy...
0: Well, thanks. I think after we're done today, today. I'm going to go park it on the couch and watch some more America's Next Top Model and take it easy because I am not feeling great yet. So we're getting there, though. Well, I'm glad you're here. Um, I'm happy to be here. I love doing this. And I'm excited to chat about this topic today. And I want you to share a little bit about why we're talking about this because there's a good story here, guys. Okay, guys. So
1: the whole reason that this particular episode came up was because I recently had a very unique experience that is one for the books and <laughs> just not anything I ever expected to experience as an interior designer, learning moments and takeaways from this. And so um, really that story, the, the big takeaway was, you know, I probably didn't do a good enough job at certain moments in this process of communicating my value um, to this particular client, and um, it's something we just need to remind ourselves of. And I think for me, this was really hard early on in my career. I um, it's ultimately why I ended up hiring a sales coach who helped me work through this. But um, like for me, a company that does something to help another business like make more money, uh, whether it's a business coach or or software or whatever, like selling that seems really easy to me because it's going to sell them. It's going to save them money, right? That's
0: an easy selling point. Yeah. There's a direct value gain for selling the thing.
1: Right. And what we do as designers is a little bit more, um, abstract, a little bit more ethereal. And, um, at least I thought I felt that way for a really long time. And it was like, how do I make it worth it to somebody or how do I get them to value Spending money on me to design their home when a lot of people could just go do it themselves. And the answer is Well, there's a lot of answers to this, but ultimately there there are Two types of people in this world the type that are either gonna hire a designer and value them or the types who are going to do that on their own so really just focusing on talking to those people who Get or at least start to understand the value of a designer and what we bring to the table um And just recognizing that not everybody is the right fit as a client.
0: (laughs) You're powered through. And we've got some great teachable moments to share with you guys today about communicating your value. And Kate, this is something I know that in this particular instance with this client, perhaps you didn't do the strongest job at it. But in general, I really admire how you handle this. I think you're really great at communicating your value to people, your clients, and getting you know, getting that across in a way that really hits home with them and gives them confidence to continue to invest in you. So I definitely want to hear your thoughts on how to communicate your value with confidence. Cause it's not always easy. I think myself, I'm afraid of feeling salesy and pushy and that's a big reason of why I don't do more of it. But let me, how, how do you do it? Teach me, teach everybody, do it. Well, I
1: don't, first of all, I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit. Obviously you've had great success in your career and you wouldn't have gotten that far if you didn't have this as a skill set. But it's just—it's something that needs to continually be refined. So today we're going to be talking mostly about crafting your message. How do you talk to your clients directly one-on-one when they're having face-to-face conversations, but also the things that we talk about today can go in your um, website language, in your sales copy, in collateral, your welcome kits. you know, just... Having these like key things built into your language, your vernacular, the way that you talk with people and saying it over and over and over again, it, you'll naturally find opportunities to bring them up early and often. That said, because you know, I love coaches and classes and workshops. Yes. I also, a while back took a workshop, it was a two day workshop and I forget the actual title of it, but it's, it, it was put on by these two actors, these two ladies who were theater actors and they, it was a workshop for women and using, projecting confidence in your voice, in your, the technicality of your voice and how it works.
0: Oh, that's cool.
1: It was really cool. And so, and there was a lot of women who, and they all came, mostly it was for professional development. So they're coming from industries where they're working with a lot of men and they tend to get dismissed, not because of having bad ideas or not speaking up might even be the case, but just how you land your sentences instead of saying, so let me come up with an example. I mean, we're not going to talk about this too much. We're going to talk about your language, but this is also something you need to consider. It's not even in my notes. We didn't even talk about this before. But instead of saying, like, this is the thing I think you should buy versus <laughs> this is the, <laughs> like, I don't know. Should I? Is that a question? Or yes. this, this is the thing that I'm recommending that you buy. And you hear how those two sentences end differently. So learning to land your sentences with confidence versus with confidence. <laughs> <laughs> it's this, like, thing that we tend to do with our voices where we end our sentences with this pitch that sounds makes it sound more like a question versus
0: a question. <laughs> and, you know, guys, Kate's exaggerating this, but don't discount that we prob- we all do this in conversation without realizing it when we aren't feeling our most secure. Even though she's kind of over-dramatizing it, even subtle changes in the pitch of your voice and the inflection at the end, it can really give cues to a client that, you know, ah, do I don't okay, is she not with sure it, about this either? You, yeah, you have, you
1: have to be able to express what you do with the tone of your voice with confidence as well. So um Leslie, if you'll make a note, and um, I will try to find it, it, the coaches were in Denver Um, so if anybody's in the Denver area, I imagine they still do it. Um, I will try to figure out who that was because it was years ago and I'll put a link up to it. It it could be something that you might be willing to travel for, or you can find out if anybody in your area does something similar, but super interesting experience and has, has really helped me. All right, let's move on to talking about crafting your message and so that you can communicate your value with confidence to your clients. Um, the three things that I think we'll focus on is how you can save your clients time, money, and mistakes. Also, feel free to jump in on any of these, Leslie, because you have a lot of really great ideas too. This you is got like it. Just the Kate
0: Show. I know. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, so I think if we start out with time, like time's the biggest one for me. And I know for you, most of our, it hasn't always been this way. Um, but at this stage of my career, most of my clients are hiring busy professionals. They want a beautiful home. They want it to reflect them and their family and their style and their stories and their character and all of those things. Um, They may even feel like they have some sort of, uh, you know, this innate ability to design or pick out good choices. They really know what they want, um, but they just simply don't have the time to pull it all together. So um, if you are trying to attract these types of clients, Hiring busy professionals, um, you know, ask them to. I don't think it's too crazy to ask them to put a value on their time. You know, what is it worth to you and your time to have this done for you, this turnkey concierge level of service that is dedicated to them, and um, just remind them, like, hey, the alternative of not hiring me to help you do this. Is that you're going to have to do it on your own and it takes a lot of time and this can just be done for you. Like six months from now, it's going to come and go in six months. Would you like for this to be done or would you still like to be like peace it together?
0: That's a great way to approach it. Yeah. Time is a big one. And most of our most ideal clients I would say are the kind of people who are earning enough to be able to afford a designer, which means they understand the value on their time and they can earn more money with their time, and it's just not worth their time to stop working and deal with what we're dealing with for them.
1: Absolutely. And you know, it doesn't even have to be necessarily um, working professionals. I have a handful of clients over the years who are stay-at-home moms, and my goodness, that takes a lot of work and energy. And it is is literally a full-time job. Um, in the, in the biggest sense of the word. Um, and I think there's this mistake that, you know, hopefully stay at home moms have just like loads of free time and it's just simply not true. So I am always trying to craft a message that says, you know, let me do this so that you can focus on the things in life that you're an expert at and you can, I mean, time is a precious resource. You, you can make more money, but you can't make more time. Exactly. So I, the time thing is really huge for me, um, in, in uh, reminding clients of, of the value. Now, does that mean it's going to happen overnight? No, <laughs> no, and that's the and that's one of the things where when clients do want to cheap out and they want to get something fast, like this isn't, this isn't. Nobody's, this is not to be confused with, this is going to be fast. <laughs> this is going yeah. to take time. This is going to be custom. This is going to be curated and it is going to be far more beautiful and thoughtful and elegant than if you were to do what a lot of people do that just don't, aren't willing to put the energy into it and go to a store, for example, and let somebody pick out furniture yeah. for them. Um, so... I think is that clear? Like the difference between like, I'm not saying it's going to be fast, but I am saying I'm still going to save you time.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's it is. How would you? How would you actually say that to a client? Like, would this be a conversation? Would it be part of your welcome packet or contract? Like, how do you actually communicate this to clients so that they? Yeah, you know, w- w- when is your moment to bring this up and actually? Sure. Get it up. I there? mean. It's something that is
1: repeated often. It's on my webpage. It is on, uh, my, so whenever I send a proposal to a client after we've had an initial consultation, I have, it's kind of like a cover letter. It's just a quick little brief, like, thank you so much for allowing us to put this proposal together. Um, we would be uh, very excited to, to work with you on this project, um, and, and save you time so that you can focus on the things that important to you or that you do well or that's your area of expertise really reminding them and reflecting back like we're experts in this and we're going to save you time so you can focus on your work and life and let us handle the all the nitty-gritty details so really this is more
0: like frequent gentle reminders and not like hey client we have to talk here's what i want to tell you about right now
1: no yeah no it's it's i mean it's in the what it's on my sales it's in my website copy um it's in my cover letter. um it's oftentimes you'll find it in an Instagram post or social media post where you know, I'm just reminding people we we say we'll save you time. Um, so yeah, but it's not that's not to be confused with we do it fast,
0: <laughs> yes, I think that's that isn't a good a good, important distinction.
1: At this point, I'm kind of thinking like, okay, by the time somebody's picked up the phone and we're on the phone together, they are already in a place where they know and are willing to invest in having a professional. So I at, at that point, I feel like I'm already talking to somebody who gets it, and I'm using air quotes here, um, but just wants to know, like, how would it like to work with me? So I kind of operate from a place of, like, they're already there. They're almost already there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a little, we need to get out, get through some of the logistics. So time is a big one. Um, money. So when, when I was first starting out, I was just like, man, this is a lot of money. This is expensive. Like it was really hard for me to send out proposals. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, Oh, how like, why would anybody spend this money but they did and i like they continue to do this and it's just become more clear for me where that value comes from so I, but i asked myself like how in the world could i tell a client that i'm saving them money when they're literally paying me and i'm asking them to spend money on furnishings um the main thing is that they're paying you to come up with a, a plan right what happens leslie when we don't have a plan and we wing it
0: it's not good <laughs> Is that the answer you're looking for? Is there like a cute cliche? All I think of is like, just, it's going to suck. Things don't fit. Things don't work. It feels piecemealed. It feels half-assed. Can I say that ass? It feels half-assed. I did now. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, it's the end result is, it's always a letdown when there was no plan. Yeah, exactly. I think
1: that, um, I, I mean, I cannot count the number of times I've had clients come to me and they've said something along these lines of, I keep buying the wrong things. Like, I keep buying things that are too big or too small or don't fit or just doesn't quite feel right in the space. It looked gray um, in the
0: store and I got it home and it looks purple.
1: Yeah. You know, it, um, and they're just, it it feels like a waste of money for them. So they've not only spent their time going out and sourcing and finding something, probably paid to have it delivered. Um, you know, and we can even use, like, renovations, for example, getting tile or something installed and or countertops and then seeing that, like, the tile and the countertops just don't look right together.
0: Ugh, yes. I'll be honest,
1: like, people admire our kitchen, but I, like, cannot wait for the day that we can renovate our kitchen. It's fine. Like, it's functional, but... You can tell it was a homeowner that did it, and the countertop is a really cool, uh, it's white, it's like a marble, and it has really cool undertones, where the backslash tile has very warm undertones, and you see them, like, they're beautiful Oh in isolation but you put them together and you're just like ooh, yeah it <laughs> doesn't make quite... sense and then the floor really doesn't jive with it either even though all three of them together individually are beautiful you put them together and they just aren't so they're paying for a plan and the plan is going to save them money um because you're going to put everything together you're going before they spend a penny on furnishings or finishes or renovations before a single hammer is swung they are going to have a plan. They will see how everything fits together, and that it all makes sense, and that it works before they start buying and before they start investing. So, yeah, it's a no-brainer to spend the money. It's like what do they say? Cut, measure twice, cut once. <laughs> it's the it's the same yeah. mentality um, to to prevent, help clients keep from making costly mistakes and errors. So, yeah, that's a great uh, so, yeah. way to put it. So that's a good segue to mistakes. I mean, you're going to, you're going to save them time, money on mistakes. And mistakes happen when you don't have a plan. Mistakes happen when you don't have a designer that's professionally trained. I'm sorry, like has education in space planning, is spatially aware. Um, But um, there is good interior designers, I feel are spatially aware and they inherently understand scale. Um, and so you guys, I don't know if y'all can hear that, but I'm recording inside the house versus in my office and my dog is downstairs. Is that
0: Norman? That's Norman buddy. and he's bringing up his
1: squeaky monkey up the stairs, <laughs> so the squeaking is Norman and his monkey, which he never, he never leaves his monkey bar. Okay, I lost my train of thought because so Norman.
0: You were talking about mistakes. Yes.
1: So having the plan prevents you know making costly mistakes. Um, being spatially aware, you know, buying. I've had so many clients who will buy things that are the wrong scale and the wrong size, doesn't fit. Um, in this particular story that I share in the secret episode, you know, there's, it's, there's this other person involved, this other individual involved in the same project that I am and doesn't have the education or experience of a of a. Interior designer. This is no knock on this person. It's just it's a furniture retailer, and there were no measurements taken, and just bringing in very large pieces that were not the right scale or size or fit, and just doesn't make sense in the space. There was and, no plan. Yeah, and so and I mean the client's paying for that, and they wouldn't have that experience if they were working with me on that part of the project. So. Um, these are all things you can remind your clients of that you you will have a plan for them before they ever start investing their money on their home they're going to know how things will fit how things will look together so they can feel confident that they're making they can make decisions with confidence
0: yeah
1: so um uh, yeah a designer really
0: helps you to be proactive with and you know proactive with decision making and the right choices whereas you know if you don't have this designer, this person, this trained person to help make a plan, you're going to be very reactively dealing with returns and mistakes and living with the wrong pieces and having the wrong stuff in your home, having things that you know are a mistake and you walk by them every single day. There is nothing worse than being reminded of the fact that you hate that piece of furniture and (laughs) you spent your hard-earned money on it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah, I, I, I just, I'm a planner by nature and I can't imagine spending the kinds of money that people do on furnishings and renovations without a, a really holistic plan. So, um, you know, in the, and the spatial awareness thing is huge. Um, very, very smart people can be very spatially dumb. Like my husband, for example, very, very smart man, extremely smart. <laughs> um, People pay a lot of money for his brains, but the dude does not have spatial awareness um, of scale, you know, he, or time. Like, he has no sense of time either. (laughs) But, scale, like, scale is just a lost thing for him. And so, you know, reminding your clients that you, you have a sense of scale and what works and what will be harmonious together. Besides just, like, checking the numbers and doing plans and scale. And so...
0: Yeah, scale Um, is not something that is easy to understand and to do well. And I think it's, you know, it's one thing to be standing in your home looking around and, you know, maybe shopping online. But you go into a furniture store and you see a chair, it's going to look completely different in a showroom surrounded by other pieces with different ceiling heights, different, like everything in that space is going to affect how you interpret it. And the number of times people come home with furniture that is just so big and so inappropriate. Especially in Texas. (laughs) Especially
1: in Kate's sweet, sweet story in the bonus episode. Yeah. Texas size furniture, y'all. It's a real thing. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Oh, gosh. I can't believe I just said that.
0: scale is, it's a really tricky one. And that is part of what makes an interior designer an expert is understanding scale and fit and function and how those all work together you really cannot have just one without the other. And that's not something, not a skill that Joe everybody possesses. It is something that is, it is a skill. It needs yeah. to be taught and understood and practiced and worked with.
1: Right, absolutely. And to the contrary, so a lot of times people bring home things that are too small, yes. <laughs> it's like dinky. I think smaller furnishings feel safe for people. They feel more affordable. But then they come in and it starts to feel like this hodgepodge apartment with just yeah. a bunch of clutter and junk. And that is another like big mistake besides buying stuff that's too big. So you nailed it, Leslie. Um, so we save our clients time, money, and mistakes. The other thing I think is really important to remind your clients of is your motivation. So think about what motivates a contractor or a furniture showroom retailer. A contractor, his motivation is to take orders and get the project done and make the money to move on. Um, contractors are not in it for getting beautiful shots for their portfolio. Most of them are not. Um, they're order takers. Um, so, you know, contractors help clients all the time make selections, but um, again, their motivation is to, put the thing together, <laughs> not to curate a design. Yeah. Same thing with the furniture salesperson. Um, certain, I imagine many get into that, those jobs because they feel a particular draw towards design. They have a knack for it and using air quotes, so to speak. Um, and they probably do. Um, they may or may not. They often do have some level of professional training. But when they're just brought in just to put furniture in your space they're motivated by selling furniture they're not motivated to design meaning to, to curate and to, to put all these pieces together so the more they sell the more they make um, yep. now, now my business model is based on getting paid for my my brain and my creativity and the experience that i bring for clients through the design process um i factor in product sales v- very minimally into my overall budget for my business operations. It's sort of like icing on the cake. So my motivation is not to sell more crap to people. <laughs> and, you know, in I'll just briefly refer back to some story. I mean, this, there's a furniture salesperson in this home that I worked on a different part of the project and just bringing in more and more and more case pieces that don't, like, isn't necessary and are empty and there's nothing, there's no reason for them to be there except to fill space, you know, when it could be art, it could be a place for the eye to rest, God forbid, um, <laughs> you know, a beautiful plant, it, it, life, Just, but so the point is that reminding your clients of your motivation, that you will be their advocate, you will under, you will spend time learning about them as individuals and as a family and their history, understanding who they are, what makes them tick, what makes them excited and happy and calm and peaceful and feel good in their home, and you're going to curate a space for them um, with all of those things in mind, and you're going to understand the big picture not only of them as individuals, but the whole home. How does the whole home work together from the front door to the back door and everything in between, Um, you know, and you're just not going to get that level of detail or that attention to the nuances uh, from the contractor or from the furniture show.
0: I agree. And I love what you were saying about motivation, reminding Mm -hmm. clients of your motivation and how it is, different than other things. I think that is something that I have struggled with in communicating my value is that, you know, even if I know something will be great for a client, but it's outside the scope we discussed, or it's a different room in the house we're not doing, I always feel hesitant to propose something, to suggest something, because my big fear is that they're going to think I'm just trying to sell them something. But you're absolutely right in that a designer is motivated very differently. I'm like, absolutely. Is selling something going to make me a little bit of money? Yes, that's part of my business model. But when our motivation is that holistic package and picture, when it is function, when it is lifestyle, when it is meeting needs, then you can be trying to sell the same thing, but it's part of your complete package and it's coming from a completely different motivation than just going to make more commission if i sell more stuff and i've worked retail in a furniture store and i made no money <laughs> because i never made yeah. commission because the stuff was garbage and i could not sell it <laughs> i oh, might have man. mentioned this yeah. on the podcast before i had a brief six month stint a long time ago working retail at a furniture store in toronto and because i was an interior designer i knew the industry i knew the resources and people would come in the store and I would literally send them away to other stores <laughs> that I knew had better products, what they needed, because there was so much just poor quality stuff in this store and it, 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 I couldn't do it. I couldn't tell people they would love this thing or this thing was right for them when it wasn't and I would literally make them leave and I made like just over minimum wage and I had a coworker who was killing it every month in commissions, like just insane But she was not a designer. She was trying to make a living selling furniture at a furniture store. There's a big, big difference.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And this is in no way a knock on furniture retailers. We use them all the time.
0: Absolutely. There
1: are very experienced designers working in retail environments. My point is when you're trying to um, declare your value to a client, (laughs) you guys – this is so funny. I am sorry. Norman is back up here and he is, being, <laughs> I'm never recording in the house again. He is being very, um, precocious right now. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry for the background noise. He is, it's like living with a raccoon, like just silly. Okay. Declaring your value. Um, the point is to remind your clients of your motivation is, is to, you said the word lifestyle a second ago and I, and I think that's, that's perfect. Um, your designs, to, and this is another piece of it, is reminding your clients that your designs are one of a kind. They are custom curated, especially with them in mind. They are never duplicated. Um, and your home shouldn't look like a showroom. It should tell a story of who you are um, as a person. Who your family is. What makes you... I mean, you can literally walk into my house and you and never meet me. And I think you can tell a lot about me and who I am and what, what's important to me and what's interesting to us and our family by walking through our house. And I, I think good clients get this and that's, that's really what they're after.
0: Yeah, that's true. And that is a huge part of our value is that we are custom designing one-on-one completely from scratch. You know, you're not picking a look out of a West Elm catalog and just saying, I want this sofa and these chairs and this rug and calling in a day. So there's Look, there's but there's those people. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And there's those people. And if
1: that's what you want, like if you want that, then take the picture out and go to the store and get the stuff and get it in your house and be done with it. That's exactly. An option
0: that's an option too. Yeah. There's a reason they've put together those rooms because they want people to look at them and say, I want everything on this page. And that's <laughs> great. And if that's a fit for that person's budget and needs and it checks all the boxes – power to you go do it but what i'm saying is there's a reason our services cost money and it is because of this custom curated design that is done never duplicated one-on-one very unique a mix of vendors and price points and all the things that mm-hmm. take vintage yeah, and yes take like years to stuff with story <laughs> learn and curate and put together you can't get that out of a catalog
1: I think well, exactly, I think well-designed spaces have far more character in them than what you get out of out of the the showroom
0: absolutely
1: um so I mean really that's it those are my big talking points i I think it's important to to tell listeners like the best resource for getting language that is going to. Speak to potential clients is to go back and talk to your past clients. Make sure that you're asking your clients for um, reviews and for uh, you know their thoughts and their words that you could potentially share on your on your website. Um, I give my clients uh, both a survey where they can give me like honest feedback in a questionnaire format, and then at the very bottom, I say um, thank you so much if if you've got some kind words that you would mind sharing as a ref- referral or I forget the word I use. I like I'm spacing today. It's raining out. Getting the reviews,
0: <laughs> feedback, yeah. reviews, feedback,
1: reviews. Yeah. You know, give them a space. Like if you could share in a couple in a few words if, that I could share on my website, that's uh, a review, please write that here and give them an opportunity to do that.
0: Yes. That's sometimes really clients, important.
1: Also, sometimes clients are very, um, uh, which I appreciate. They're, they're very uh, long-winded. And so don't be afraid to edit and cut things out to make it more brief. But use those words, memorize those words that they say, and reflect that back when you're talking to other potential clients because those are likely going to be pain points and uh, things that clients are looking for that you've proven to do with other clients.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. That's one thing I hadn't even thought of about communicating your value is having other people communicate the value for you, social proof, online reviews, Google reviews, Facebook, house, Yelp, whatever. When people are considering you as a designer, they can see honest testimonials from happy clients. And that is going to help them understand your value. You've obviously worked very hard to do a great job for these people And your past clients are shouting your name from the rooftops. That's huge in having new clients understand and get behind your value and get excited to be working with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I also recently started doing this and I recommend it to anybody is every time you get a review and, you know, or if you even hear clients give you like a kind word in person, just say, wow, that that means a lot to me can we put that on paper, <laughs> you know, just get their permission that way too. But I have a master document where I have every review I've ever gotten. Um, and I keep it all in one place. And then I have their like raw version. And then I have an edited version sometimes. Oh, that's the, cool. The client, you know, tends to be, uh, you know, a little more long-winded. Then you really just want a little snippet. I'll like pull some of those out. Um, so, yeah, I, I think... When you can hear it uh, directly from them, use those words when you're talking to potential clients. It is a goldmine for um, for using the right language with your clients.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. Then they really feel that connection. And the more they know, like, and trust you, the more they feel connected, the more that they feel they understand you and your process, that's all going to help them just really get the value you're bringing to their project. That's awesome. Thanks. There yeah, was, there exactly. was one point about money um, saving money gonna... that I don't think we covered, but I really yeah. want to talk about this. Yes. I that... I was
1: going to as well. So one Go. thing,
0: <laughs> one way that I have been effective in communicating my value with clients is letting them know that I do share part and I don't specify the amount. I do share part of my trade discount with clients on purchases. And for large projects, those savings can often offset or completely write off design fees. Now, the project does have to be large enough for one room. It doesn't make sense. But I have chosen to sometimes, when appropriate, share part of my design fee, or not my design fee, my trade discount, so that the client is saving a certain percentage and to be able to tally those savings and let them know what they were, they often do make a big dent in the design fees. And it's a no-brainer. If the client went to the retailer, they'd be paying retail. If they go through you, they get a better price and they get you. So that's been really um, a good tool for me to help communicate my value. Uh, I, I know we wanted to talk about not ever giving away your entire discount. We still hear lots of designers talking about passing on their full trade discount to clients and i don't think that is a good way of communicating your value or giving value i think that's going to put your business in the toilet and it gives away a lot of confidentiality of pricing that vendors have with designers i think it's a dangerous practice it's not a healthy one to have there's a reason that we get trade pricing So that we can have a margin and have a healthy business. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, Kate, because I think we're on the same page with this of don't give away your full discount or share the confidential trade pricing that your vendors have given you with your clients as a value add air quotes to their clients.
1: Yeah, no, I'm 100% in agreement with you. I never share my full discount. I never even give the client's expectation that they will receive a discount. However, I am often depending on the scope and the budget of on, with a really healthy budget. Uh, I'm often able to, but that is more like a happy bonus surprise I agree. You get at the design presentation, because I think you set that expectation up too soon and then it can really derail, you know, your, your selections, for example, could change based on that motivation. Um, I don't like to set that
0: expectation up. No, and I think that's a good way to do it. I will say I'm moving away from that model a little bit because, and I've talked about this in past episodes, I've been working with a free shipping model, which means I can't sell, I can't really share my discount and cover the shipping and still make any money. So I'm not going that route anymore, unless it makes sense for the project, but I agree, Kate. It can totally be a bonus value add, but I don't think that giving away your discount, even though it seems like a very low hanging fruit for communicating value, is the best route to go as a designer
1: yeah you, um and you know what I just I think it's important to remember like at the beginning of a project when you're starting to talk about budgets and, and asking you know a client what is your expected what do you expect to pay for this project, let's just take $50,000, for example, When you don't really know this, but like $50,000 sounds like a lot of money, but then you end up talking more to the client and realize, oh, we're now talking about three, four, five rooms, $50,000 all of a sudden isn't that much money. And you're not going to be able to source from trade sources where you can get uh, a healthy margin. Yeah. You're just not going to get trade discounts with that. So you're, you're not at a place yet where you can promise any sort of trade discounts until you really understand what what it is you're working with. And that's just is done through the design process. So for that reason, right. I never um, promised that up front. Um, you actually said something a minute ago. I'm going to go ad low here for just a second. You said something a minute ago that reminded me of something else. So we've been talking a lot today about the language piece of it, like how like the words that we use. Um we talked a little bit at the beginning about like your tone of voice too and how to keep yourself sounding like you're talking about. I don't remember. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we talked a little bit about that. But there's some other like nonverbal uh cues that we sometimes give off to our clients that can devalue us. And I think it's important to just talk about a couple of those. Um so you know, every designer has a different way of working. I personally have early on, I used to offer evening and weekend meetings with clients if they requested them because they worked during the day. And this meant that I wasn't at home with my kids and which is why I went into design in the first place because I was working uh, 60 hour weeks and it wasn't the lifestyle that I wanted. Yeah. Um, so For this reason, I no longer meet clients on evenings and weekends. Um, Totally up to you. You're your own boss. But um, for me, um, I have my working hours set just like these guys do, my clients, for example. Um, So what I do now is I I will offer evening and weekends, but my rate is is one and a half times my hourly rate. So I take my rate and I almost double it. And all of a sudden it turns out people find time in the day to meet me between nine and five. It's so crazy. Yes. So all of a sudden I have placed value on me as a designer and my expertise and my time. And so demonstrating that to your clients also, um, really communicates your value as a designer, um, versus a hobbyist. So that's
0: good. I like that
1: things like that are, are really important to keep an eye out in your business for is like, are we doing, are we subconsciously doing things that devalue us? Um, and that's just one that comes to mind. I might, you know, later today, think of another one, but just something you said a minute ago reminded me of that.
0: Yeah. I think that's a great point to sort of start sending us home. I think the big takeaways for today are essentially designers save clients time money and mistakes and it's on each of us to figure out in our business how we do that and figure out how to communicate that so I hope we had some helpful ideas for you guys today I think Kate and I both do some things differently here there's a bunch of different ways to get your message across whether it's on your website before a client even finds you, with online reviews, with face-to-face conversations, in your collateral, in your welcome kit. There's not a right way to do this, but it is important to do it. Any final thoughts from you, Kate?
1: Yeah, I think the, the main thing is to figure out your talking points, put it in your words, in your language, something that sounds natural to you and how you would actually talk, And then be consistent with that message and get it everywhere. It needs to be on your website, in your welcome kit, in your collateral, in your social media. We've been talking all, season about branding and your messaging and this is just another way to tie that all in so thanks
0: lovely for the chat today This fun. on the website come on i know you need to go get the mini business toolkit we have for you if you haven't already so you're going to grab the install day box checklist a reference guide with our typical design project hours our favorite design and business tools we actually use and more all of the good stuff is yours at designersgettingcoffee.com can
1: i put in a quick like plug for yes her, the you can plug away bundle. install day box check- checklist so i got lazy and i let my install day box sort of become a muck things got taken out and weren't replaced and i went to do an install this week with it in total disarray and we ended up having to run out to the store a number of times and i was so frustrated and so mad at myself for not having that box and that kit ready to go um it seems so small and insignificant but you guys it it literally cost me money um to go buy things that i already had back at the office or to pay one of my staff to go run by another thing so that will save you money
0: She's go right, get do the things. download and then go get your all box. of it you too I'll talk to you next week all right y'all have a great weekend bye Hey, designer. Thanks for sharing part of your day with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes so we can continue to connect with badass design bosses like you. We'd love to hear your feedback. For more Designers Getting Coffee and to join the conversation, head over to designersgettingcoffee.com
1: for show notes, free downloads, and more. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at designersgettingcoffee.